if I have it right, you said six months ago that Squire Devaney was a wastrel and a gamester, and the Devaneys had not a feather to fly with. Mrs. Page trilled out a laugh. <laughs> you must be dreaming. I adore the Devaneys. Sound family, good English stock. You must look your prettiest. As a matter of fact, their son, Sir Charles, is due home quite soon. She kissed her fingertips. Such a delightful young man. Knighted for bravery, too. Fought like a Trojan. Charles Devaney must be... Let me see... Twenty-nine, Ma. That's not young. Hark at the child. In the prime of life, my sweet. Mrs. Page put her head on one side, and her sharp eyes raked her daughter up and down. Must be white muslin, but not too girlish. And your hair. I did want to put it up. Long hair is not the thing. You need one of the new crops, like Carolyn Lamb. Mr. Tully will need to do it. I'll send John to fetch him. I do not think our local barber knows anything about fashionable crops. Don't quibble. Be a good child and be guided by me. Well, thought Fanny in a day's way, later that day, after her hair had been shorn and the local dressmaker was picking out some of Mrs. Page's very best gowns to alter, you never really knew what was going to happen. She looked at her reflection in the glass. Her hair was surprisingly pretty, now a cap of black glossy curls. Poor Mr. Tully had been so nervous of cutting it that he had dropped the scissors several times. Charles Devaney, now Sir Charles. What would he be like? She could not remember much about him, yet she knew she had met him a long time ago, when she had been ten. But he had seemed to belong to the world of grown-ups. She had a vague memory of someone tall and fair. Would he turn out to be the hero of her dreams? The boredom of her days had turned her into an excellent dreamer, and so the picture of Sir Charles, at first hazy, grew in her mind and took shape and form. He would be battle-hardened, a seamed, lined face tanned by the Spanish sun. He would be very tall and strong. She passed the time pleasantly, once she had made a face and form for him in writing scripts for Sir Charles. At first, he would dismiss her from his mind as being too young, but Ma's little donkey carriage would run away with her, and she, Fanny, would ride to the rescue, hair streaming. No. She ruffled her short crop. No more hair to stream, but he would be impressed. He would see the rescue, and the light of admiration would bring warmth to his stern face. They would walk together in the gardens under a full moon, and he would look down at her and murmur, Your beauty unmans me. Fanny experienced a qualm. She did not think herself beautiful at all, but a man in love would think her so, and everyone knew that love was blind. Fanny had expected Sir Charles to accompany his parents to the supper party, 
and so it was with dismay that she learned that he had not yet returned home. Only Squire Devaney and his wife were to be the guests. Still, she must do her best to please these future-in-laws, for Fanny had made up her romantic mind that she was to marry Sir Charles. On the morning of the important day, she escaped to the kitchens to have a gossip with Mrs. Friendly, the cook, and found a new butler busy showing the footman how to polish a quantity of gold plate. Is that really gold? asked Fanny, goggling at the glittering plates and knives and forks. Mrs. Friendly drew her aside. It's only for this evening, Miss Fanny, she whispered, as is that jackanapes of a butler. He was lured over from Lord Tandy's for the day. Lord Tandy is on the grand tour, and it's my guess that his lordship's gold plate.